Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you're here to worship and spend time um, talking about God this morning. If you would, please stand with us as we sing Seasons to start off the morning. Like the frost on the road, winter comes or
both the song Be Still as well as that video set us up perfectly for what we're going to talk about today. Uh, our, this coming weekend, our ladies are going to be gathering here at Southfield along with their friends in order to talk about the topic of peace. And I thought, given the fact that we're done with the fasting series and we're not quite ready to start a new series, why not go ahead and whet the appetite a little bit, kind of get the mind rolling toward that topic of the weekend. And so today we're going to talk about peace and what that looks like in our lives. In order to understand peace, we really have to define it, right? I think we all have different ideas of what we believe peace is. Most simplistically, most people would see peace as simply an absence of conflict. We're not fighting, so we must be at peace. I'm old enough to have grown up in an era where we lived through something called the Cold War, where what was the Soviet Union and the United States had all kinds of nukes aimed at each other, and we were told at any minute a button could be pushed and we'd be obliterated, but don't worry because we'd push our button just in time and they'd be obliterated too. And so the world would all be gone. And the solution for us as students, as little kids, is they had us get under our desks because, you know, that would work. But anyway, so we lived in this era of peace, right? Nobody was throwing a missile at each other. We know full well it was not peace. It was detente. It was, I won't hit you so that you don't hit me. That's not peace at all. And for a lot of us, while in our lives we may have an absence of conflict, there is a restlessness. There's an irritation. There's a frustration that we know is truly a lack of peace. When we look at the reality of peace it looks a whole lot different. Peace is a, a soul-level stillness despite your circumstances. Have you had that at any point in your life? That I mean, life is just absolutely raging all around you. And you have this, this soul-level stillness. You have this calm. You have this confidence that is almost, it's inexplicable. You're just going, I, I don't understand how everything could be raging so badly around me, and internally, I feel real stillness. I feel real calm. If there's any biblical picture of peace as defined here, it is that of Jesus sleeping in the front of a boat as his disciples are rowing across the Sea of Galilee. And as they're rowing, there's a tremendous storm. There are high waves. There's clapping thunder, and there's lightning flashing all about, and the disciples are taking their buckets, and they're scooping out the water as they fast as they can, and the master is up in the, in the front of the boat, sound asleep, and finally they go wake him, they shake him, and they're like, hey, you might want to wake up right now, I think we're about to die, and we think you can do something about it, and, and I like to imagine Jesus kind of slowly sitting up rubbing the sleep from his eyes and saying, what, what, what's the problem? What, what's going on? You know, and, and as he stands up, he just says, wave, stop, be still. And then, and then he turns to them and says, why did you wake me up? Why did you We're just fine. My father has us. My father has us. You don't have to be worrying about this. That's peace. That's peace. To be able to have the raging storm all around you and have a soul-level stillness. And so this morning, before we move on, I want, you to, I want you to get a hold of that wave in your life right now. Waves, thunder, lightning, crashing. And I want you to think about how are you reacting to those waves. How are you doing with that right now? Do you find yourself like Jesus in the front of the boat, sound asleep because you have such a, a firm trust in your Father in heaven that you're like, he's got this? Or are you actually reading books trying to figure out how to stop waves? How, how to manage lightning and thunder? Are you, are you trying to figure it out furiously? What are you doing? What are you doing with the storm that's going on all around you? Do you have that soul-level stillness that you're able to say, truly, it is well with my soul? Now I want to zero in on one 
storm in life today that we're all going through. We're, we're all, there, there's a tempest all around us. The waves are crashing. The thunder is, is smashing. The lightning is flashing all around us. And, and for some of us, i got to admit, we're just not handling it very well. I'm, I'm having conversations, and, you know, it, it's just, it's taking us, there's no peace, there's nutty. We're, we're just, we're having crazy times with this stuff. I'd like to talk about peace and the political fray. We have a storm around us. Now, let me just reassure you at this very moment, I will not be talking about any person, any candidate, any party, really any issue of our times. That's not the point. The point is, how in the world do we survive in this? How in the world do we go to the front of the boat, fall asleep, and say, it is well with my soul? Instead of going positively crazy as we watch the world around us seem to fall apart. How, how do we, because here's what I understand from the Bible. Christ followers are supposed to handle things differently. We're supposed to handle life differently than everybody else so that when they look at us and they're bailing out the boat, they see us sleeping, they're going, how can you sleep? And you're like, God's got this. God's got this. It's going to be okay. So let's start with a definition of politics. I think that's important, right? For a lot of us, we see politics as a study of government systems or as political alignment, Democrats, Republicans, and all the others. Or we might even see it differently. We might see it as manipulation. You know, you, you talk about office politics. There's someone that knows how to play people really well. And they're, and they're political that way. And, and that, that kind of makes you a little crazy, right? In reality, politics is, is much broader in definition. Here, here's a classic definition for you. It's the heart of all collective activity, formal and informal, public and private, in all human groups, institutions, and societies. All right, let me, let me shorten it. It's a study of people and how they interact. That's it. Politics is a study of people and how they interact. So with that definition, we can look at the White House, the State House, Village Hall, and we can look at the playground and work, and yes, even church. Because anywhere people are interacting, there is a political dynamic at play. Now, let me give you one aspect of the political dynamic that is at play wherever there are people. Where there are people, conflict is inevitable. If there's one other person in the room, there's potential conflict. I could even say if there's one person in the room. If you're alone, there's potential conflict, right? I mean, think about it. My goodness. You know, for one thing, we are, we are sinful people. We are selfish people. We are self-centered people. We want our way. And when someone else gets in our way, we figure out a way to obliterate them. Get them out of the way. I always thought it'd be cool to have a photon torpedo in my car. Wouldn't that be great? Boom, clear. Next. Yeah, we want people out of the way. Okay, not really cool. Breathe. But anyway, <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's, there's conflict because we're sinful. But, you know, there's also conflict that's not sinful. Do you know that we have different opinions? There's food I like that you look at and go, ew, who in the world would eat that? There are colors I like that you go, anybody that would have that on their wall is tasteless. They're out of their minds. I got this great little meme the other day from Jeff Buck. Jeff was a part of our church for a long time, lives in Maryland now, and, and, he, and he sends this thing to me, and I cracked up because he, he knows our history. He knows what we have lived. He said, uh, this thing said, if you thought the State of the Union was raucous, you should attend a church business meeting when they're voting on the carpet. And, and I'm like, live that life. Look at scars right back here. Do you, see the, do you see the arrow marks? Yeah, I've been through that. And that, that wasn't about sin. That was about some people still like the old orange carpet and, and others, others actually wanted to move to a new color. Still goes off on the 20. Sorry, it was going to drive me crazy the whole time. Wherever there are people, conflict is inevitable. That's a reality. That's just a reality. So here's the question then, how in the world do we live through that conflict? How in the world do we get to the front of the boat and fall asleep? 
There are two things about every one of us that we need to understand. One is that God designed us with purpose. God has a purpose for your existence. You are not random. You are not an accident. I know some of us long for, oh, I wish I could have lived 100 years ago, or I wish I could have lived 100 years from now. God wanted you here now. He has a purpose for you here now. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. You're a work of art from the hands of God. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned long ago. Before, before the earth came together, he said, I know when and where I want Lorraine to exist. 2020, Shanahan, she'll be there. I know where I want Jared. I know where I want him. 2020, Shanahan, he'll be there. I mean, around the room, every one of us, he knew this is the place, this is the time, this is the moment, because there are things he prepared for us to do. And you know what? That thing God prepared for you to do, you find yourself inside being excited about it. You're excited about it. That's your thing. I love over in the book of Esther, you remember this story where Haman's about to take out all the Jews that exist and, and Mordecai, Esther's uncle, come and says, you're the queen, you need to go talk to the king. And she says, I walk into the king, I could lose my head. And Mordecai says, you know what, if you don't speak up, salvation for the Jews will, will come from another place, but, but who knows that you have not come into the kingdom for just such a time as this. You are here for just such a time as this. As much as you resist it, you are here for just such a time as this. And with that purpose, there's something that happens within you. There's like a fire. And that fire is passion. God didn't, just, God didn't just give you the purpose. God said, and I'm going to get you excited about it. And in fact, when you talk about it, other people, other people kind of do the holy eye roll. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, there they go again. Blah, 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 blah. Because, because God made you for that, but he didn't necessarily make that person for that. He uses all of us to accomplish his purpose. And we all have some different purpose that we're accomplishing. And so we have passion. There's a, there's a word in the Bible used for passion that I really love. It's the word zeal. Uh, we, we need to use that word more often. I love that word, zeal. I have, I have zeal. I have intense passion. We see it arise when, when Jesus goes to the temple one day. He walks in. And he, sees, and he sees selling going on. He sees offerings being sold all over the place. And Jesus isn't hacked off because they're, they're selling things on the Sabbath. That's not the point. He's, he's angry because poor people are coming to the temple with their offering, and the offering inspector would look at the offering and say, yeah, that pigeon's not going to cut it. You can't bring that one. Nope, nope, nope. Why don't you just go ahead and let that one fly? We have a pigeon right over here for you that you can buy. And, and, and the price was jacked up, kind of like hot dogs at Six Flags. You know what I mean? It was, just, it was a tremendously overpriced offering. And Jesus comes walking in and says, this is not happening in my father's house. And he has a moment that most of us look at and we go, how could that not have been sin? Because he looks angry out of control. He's flipping tables, money's flying, pigeons are flying out of their cages, goats are running away. I mean, it's just, it's chaos. And, and it says that the disciples are watching this. They're kind of going, whoa. You know how that happens when somebody's getting really angry and everybody's just still like, maybe he won't notice me. They're, they're just kind of being real still. But the disciples remember a verse from Psalm 69, 9 that says, zeal for your house will consume me. That's passion. When you're consumed by your zeal. You know, we're commanded to be passionate. Can you imagine that? Romans 12, 11, don't be slothful in zeal. Don't be lazy about being passionate. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. The, the New International Version says it this way, do not be lacking in zeal. We're supposed to be passionate people. Passion is good. It's really good. But look at those two words again. Zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal. What's the word that comes from zeal? Zealot. Zeal's great. Zealot, not so good. Nobody goes, oh, he's a zealot with a smile. They go, he's a zealot. Is he wearing a bomb? You know, that, that's a zealot. 
A person that's taken their passion ten steps too far. Zeal for your house will consume me. There's consumed as in it's grabbed me, it's got a hold of me, it's, it's indwelled me, and there's, then there's consumed as in the fire has burned so hot that boom, I spontaneously combust and everything else around me does as well. Can you see the difference? There's a difference between being passionate and being nuts. And for some of us, we've lost the line. We don't have zeal anymore. We're zealots. And we don't have a passion that consumes us. It's a passion that's burning us up and burning everybody around us. It's become a flamethrower, and it's unhealthy, and it's ungodly. We're not laying in the hull of the ship as our country just rocks in chaos and having a sound night's sleep because we know God's got it. No, we've decided we better fix it. And so we post, do, 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 because posting, that makes a difference. I've noticed that. All I have to do is reason with people, and they change their minds. Right, right. How do we survive this? How do we live in these times? You know, maybe you live with a zealot. <laughs> how do you sleep? How do you, how do you live with this? How, how do we have peace in the political fray? So four things. I want you to first ask yourself the question, what's forming my mindset? What forms the way I think? What influences my view of the world? What, what's forming me? What's forming me? So here's the first thing. A form, formation of this kind is an issue of perspective, right? And our first perspective question needs to be this. Who's really in charge? You know what I love about elected officials? They're foolish enough to believe they're in charge. They're not. They're not. Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, not just the ones of your party, not just the ones you agree with. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist have been instituted by God except for the ones I didn't vote for, except for the ones I don't like or don't agree with. You know what this verse is saying? God's king. God's playing out his plan. God's doing his work. And we get all restless because we're bogged down in the minutiae instead of seeing the big picture. God's got this. It, you know, it may look turbulent, but God's got this. Can, can you have a God's got this moment? Can you get up in the front of the boat, lay down, fall asleep, and say, God's got this. I don't have to watch 10, 12 more hours of TV in order to fix it. God's got this. He's got this. He's in charge. Second question we have to ask ourselves in forming our mindset is, what really matters most? Is what matters most in your life your property taxes? Oh, it matters. But does it matter most? Is it, is it the most important thing in the universe? Really? You know what matters most? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are the agents bringing that here. We're the, we're the ones, we're the only ones that bring God to the situation. School's not doing it. Government's not doing it. Google's not doing it. Amazon's not doing it. Ample's not doing it. They're all against it. We're the, the church is the only institution with the true answer, and his name is Jesus. That's the answer to be, to be brought to the situation. That's what matters. What matters most is that I see you in heaven when this is all over. That, that's why we're here. We're here for, for a purpose of making sure that heaven is as populated as possible and Satan is ticked off because he lost population. He's like, he's the Illinois of the United States. It's depleting all the time. And we're going to Texas, right? I mean, that's it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What else matters? Ephesians 5, please understand, Paul, 
Paul's not living during a time of just, oh, isn't it great to have this king? Ah, you got Nero. Nero's a little worse than anybody we have in our country. No, Nero's a ton worse than anybody we have. Here's a guy who takes Christians, puts them on poles, and lights them on fire so that his garden has, has lighting. Do you think he might be a little worse? This is Paul. Jesus, Paul, Peter, all the others, they don't rail about how we're going to fix this system. They say, we're here to change hearts and minds and to bring them safely home to God. Be very careful then how you live. In this political fray, are you being careful how you live? Are you saying, everybody else is acting like not, I might as well too. That's not being careful with how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, and they are evil. Make no mistake about it. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What matters most? Opportunities to bring people safely home to God. And how often have we cut off an opportunity because we're railing about something that's minutiae? It's a comfort issue here on earth, but it doesn't matter as much as making sure your soul ends up safely in the arms of God. The other thing that matters most is relationships. How often have we literally set a relationship on fire because we were zealots for our political cause rather than having zeal for the soul of the person sitting next to us, the person we're talking to? We've got to be careful the way we live. Another thing that forms our, our mindset, we get to read the last chapter first. Are you one of those people? I'm one of those people. I always cut to the end of the book. I'm like, i got to figure out if this book's worth reading. Okay, yeah. Look, this is great. I like to read the last chapter first. What does the last chapter say? Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb of God through the middle of the streets of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any accursed thing, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and at night, they're not going to be at night. There's no more daylight savings time. It's daylight all the time. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And what does the angel say? This is truth. This is truth. You got to read the end of the chapter. If this is the end of the chapter, the book ends poorly. But it's not the end of the chapter. And to get to here, it's got to get worse before it gets a ton better. The end of the chapter, Jesus keeps saying, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy. Behold, I am coming soon. I bring my recompense with me to repay each for what they've done. He who testifies to these things, Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Maybe instead of whining against the darkness every once in a while, you just need to look up to the sky and say, we're ready. We're ready. Would you please come? We're ready. We're ready. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Is the way we're acting in the political fray something that we can be proud to say? Jesus, I had a proper zeal, or I was a zealot and I'm ashamed. What's forming your mindset? Is it the big picture or is it the minutia? Is it, is it the big picture or is it just the little details? God wants us to keep our eyes on the big picture. Second question for all of us is what's feeding my soul? What's feeding my soul? What do I take in? What, what ends up inside of my heart? What do I ingest on a regular basis? What's forming me as I eat? as I take in different pieces of information. Now, what does Philippians 4 say? I suspect y'all girls will see this again this Saturday, right? 
Finally, my brothers, my sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He just described Fox News and MSNBC. Right? Oh, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely. That, those are the words I use to describe our news stations. None of them are news anymore, folks. I don't care what you're watching. None of them are news. They have figured out, how, you got to get customers to watch 24 hours. How do you do that? You put a kernel under their denture and you get them irritated. You just get them irritated. And you're irritated and you keep turning it on to find out, wonder what's happening now, wonder what's happening now, wonder what's happening now. And you keep being strung along and strung along and strung along and you think you're getting news when what in fact you're getting played. And I don't care which end of the spectrum you're on on this, you're getting played. They got you and they got you buying their products, you know? You're doing it. You're, you're, you're drinking your beet juice and all that other stuff that they're advertising all the time. They're playing us. The Bible says we're to think on what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent. Anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So what does that say to the things that we take in all the time? You say, but i got to be informed. I've got to be informed. I, I can't live ignorant. I don't think you're really getting informed, to be perfectly honest. At any end of the spectrum you're watching, I don't think you're getting informed. I think you're getting played. I think your heart is being manipulated. There is very little information. There's a lot of opinion. But there is very little information at all. And so our hearts are enraged about what we don't agree with, and they're psyched about what we do agree with. We've got our favorite people, and they reinforce our thoughts. Oh, yeah, someone else thinks just like me. And all that's happening the whole time is we're missing the point. God has something better for his children. God wants to give you a good night's sleep in the front of the boat. What do you take in? Then further, what do you keep in? What do you keep in? Because here's the thing. Whatever you take in, you keep in. Hebrews says, therefore, we are, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's talking about all those saints from Hebrews 11 and all the people lining the streets of heaven. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. If you're not able to sleep, it's time to start throwing something off. It's time to start throwing off the things that are keeping you from being able to rest in God. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not on our TV, not on, not on our computer screen, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he was willing to go through torture and death, the cross, the scorn, and the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, and that's where he is today. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Follow the example of Jesus. Do you think Jesus could have been enraged about the Roman political system? Do you, do you, think, do you think he could have spent his entire three years of ministry just railing against Caesar? He had a higher purpose. He ingested the word of God. He said it, man does not live by bread alone. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Have we not just learned that in the fast? Which leads us to the next part. We need to fast consistently. There are some things we just need to turn off from time to time. There are sources of input that occasionally have some redeeming value, but every once in a while we got to go, it is time for me to turn this off past week I ran into a friend and uh, it was the day after the State of the Union and uh, you know I we we have political alignment and so I walked up to him and I and I started and he just he just very politely said uh, I'm still fasting on political conversation and I was like good for you and I'm sorry that I even entered anything into your mind on it 
we need to know that from time to time, we just need to pull back because there's something, we got to remember, we are not Jesus. We are still, we're redeemed sinners. And we can still be drawn from that place of zeal to zealot. We can still be drawn from that place of being properly consumed to being burned up. And so there are times that we just need to pull away. We have to be able to read ourselves well. Am I truly experienced zeal or have I become a zealot? How do I know if I'm a zealot? Everybody at the dinner table rolls their eyes when I start again, right? Oh, here he goes again. Consumed or consuming? Am I destroying relationships around me because I just go on and on and on and on? We need to fast from time to time. Sometimes we need to pull away from the book of faith. You know, we just kind of need to, I've not, I've not been on that thing since December 1st. And I'll tell you what, happy life. Happy. Some of you think I'm not your friend anymore. I'm still your friend. I'm your real friend. I'm not your virtual friend. I'm your real friend. But to not have all the memes and screams coming at us all the time that's just feeding that thing inside of us, that anger. And then we brilliantly think, this post will change the world. No, it won't. All it did was go, Bleh. oh, now I feel better. I purged. Mm. Nope, nope, nope. John 4, 31. Jesus is with the woman at the well. The disciples go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. They come back, have some chicken. He says, I don't need that. They're like, what do you mean? You got food already. Who gave him food? He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Is that your food? What do you ingest? What are you ingesting all the time? Let me, let me just say the last part here too. We need to know when to walk away. Sometimes the rage is intense because we, we just keep engaging. We just keep engaging and keep engaging. We keep thinking, this is the conversation that'll finally crack them. This is the one that'll finally make the difference and we need to know when to walk away. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's what I love about the way Paul wrote that verse under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He did not just write, live at peace with everyone. Because in a sinful world, it is not human possible, humanly possible. He says, if it is possible, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, do your part. Do your part. But recognize that person still has a mind and will. Do your part. Recognize that God is doing a work in that person. And it's not our place to be their Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is their Holy Spirit. Let Him do the work. Sometimes we just need to walk away. Lots of verses like this in Proverbs. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools. I don't know why it is, but sometimes we, we know a person is locked in their foolishness, but we think we can undo their foolishness. And, and Solomon so wisely says, don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. And for some of us, all we're doing is chasing our tail. We're just, we're just running in circles, trying to help somebody out of their foolishness, and they, just, they need to sit in their foolishness for a while and let God and God's Spirit be the one to do the convicting and changing of mind. We do our part, but we need to recognize what our part is, and there's only so much we can do. Paul, in the book of Philippians chapter 3, writes these words. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, not just, not, not just as you have us as a model, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. 
And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is not here. If we belong to Jesus, we are citizens of heaven. And our prime interest is populating heaven. I, you know, I'd love to fight for my neighbors and bring down our property taxes. Wouldn't that be nice? I'd be, I'd be a neighborhood hero, I guess. I'd much rather for the rest of eternity to be able to stare them at across, across my street of gold and say, this, this is what it was all about. This is what it was all about. And I would dare say that when it comes to purpose, while God has individual things he wanted each of us to do, he's given each of us the purpose of bringing people safely home to God. And he's given each of us the passion and the zeal to see that happen. We will sleep better in the bow of the ship when we realize that most of what we're doing politically is rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic when in fact we could be getting people into the lifeboat and bringing them safely home. So let's do the work God has us to do. That's the work he has for his church and that's the work that leads to lasting peace. Father God in heaven, the prayer of our heart today is that you will help us to have peace in the middle of the storms of our lives, even this political storm. Help us not to be so focused on earthly things as Paul talks about, the people who are just focused on earth. Help us to have our eyes toward heaven, looking longingly for the coming of our King and our Savior. I pray that we would care more about Jesus ruling our hearts than we do about all the junk going on around us. Give us a clear-eyed focus on Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Our team is going to come, and we're going to move to communion right now. And as we do, I, I, want, you to, I want you to imagine that scene, that scene of Jesus sleeping in that boat. And I want you to think about whatever waves are crashing around you right now. What's preventing you from having that kind of sleep? What's keeping you from that, from that place of stillness of soul? He wants that for you. He really does. So as you walk to the communion tables today, the front, the back, the sides of the stage are gluten-free. Take that imagination with you. Have a conversation with Jesus about it. Work through it with him. He wants you to have a good night's sleep. He really does. I also want to remind you that we still have some post-its on the wall. These are the post-its from our, from our fasting season. And uh, if you wrote one of those, we want to encourage you to go ahead today and take that down, take it with you, put, make it part of your spiritual scrapbook, something that reminds you of these three weeks that we spent together talking to God. It's something that you can look back at from time to time and say, I remember that season. That was a really good season. Loved what God did during that. So let's go to communion.
I'll be the first to admit, <clears throat> and some of you know me, so I don't even have to admit it, that there are times that I move from zeal to zealot. There are times that I am no longer um, consumed by the issue, but the issue is burning me and everybody around it, everybody around me. I've come to the point in my life that I'm actually able to, to read it, not just the eye, in the eyes of the people around me, but to read it in me, to know when it's, when it's gone just a little bit too far when I'm more earthly-minded than heavenly-minded. And in those moments, I've, I've had to figure out, what do, what do I need to do in order to come back home? And one of the things has been forms of fasting, pushing away certain news sources or, or social media sources that are just reinforcing what's going on. But I'll tell you the other thing I do. I'm, I'm not a big uh, radio music person in the car. I just never have been. But in those moments that I feel the nutty rising, songs like this. If you play this song about 20 times in a row, what, what, whatever has been going on, <clears throat> you find yourself saying, I am ready for a nap in the front of the ship. I am ready to relax in God. I'm still in your hands. I'm still in your hands. You got this. Uh, it's, it's hilarious sometimes, right? I mean, think about, think about the three-year-old that grabs the plastic hammer and says, Dad, I'm going to help you put on a roof today. <laughs> Cute, mean well, but really? Really? I got me a nail gun. I don't need that little plastic thing. God's got this. He's got this. When are you just going to be able to finally be able to go, you've got this. I can breathe. I can sleep. You've got this. Lord God, bring us to this place in our lives that, that we can sing this song and mean it. You've got this. I've seen you do it before. I know you'll do it again. Help us to realize that the greatest thing that we can do as fully devoted followers of Jesus is not to scream at the darkness, but to cry out to the Lord our God, to pray, to fast, to, to bring the cause of the people of this earth before our Heavenly Father and watch the way you through your Spirit move to bring about great things in their hearts and lives. Bring us back to what matters most, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Our servers are going to come and receive the offering. Uh, as they do, we've got a, a few things to talk through, so how you doing, Brian? Doing well. Yeah? Good. Yeah. Good. Um, students. Yeah, you got, the group is about to start, right? Yep, so we are back to normal times for both groups this week. So tonight, 6 to 8, Revive, your high schooler, come on, join us. We're starting a series on friendship, uh, or Refuge, on Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8.30. Also working through a similar content, uh, talking about friends and friendship and how to choose friends and, and do all that. Uh, so it's a really good time uh, for our groups. But we also have our high school Bible study starting up this Tuesday night at the Coin House. And I know that some of you are like, uh-oh, I forgot to sign up, I forgot to get the book, all that. I just checked. Uh, you can still get the book if you have Amazon Prime by tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> if you don't have Amazon Prime and you want to get signed up, come talk to me. I will broker the deal for you. Make sure that you have the book uh, on time for Tuesday night. But that's going to be a really cool time. Six weeks where we're just studying spiritual discipline, uh, and I'm really excited for it. So you got the links today, first time in a few weeks. We've been doing the fasting emails in their place, and I think you look at the fourth one down. It says, Feed the Dog. That's the name of their group. You click there, you can register and get everything you need. So i uh, got a couple other things on there. We, in the last fasting email, we offered you that opportunity that if that's something you would like to continue to do and, and you found power in fasting with other people, 
uh, you can click that link and sign up for something we're calling Fast Forward, and, and we'll have different experiences that, that continue us in, the, in that spirit of, of collective fasting. Uh, the one that's really important on there, last day to register for the ladies' retreat this coming weekend, so uh, you, can, you can click that button and be taken directly to that site. It is truly uh, one of the highlights of our church family life around here, and, and again, to be talking about, talking about peace, I mean, they're just, they're, they're, forget just political, there's so much agitation on every level in our lives right now. And, and God really intends for his followers to be able to live differently. So I know all the, all the presenters are they're working hard to bring just the, the very best of, of teaching on this. So it's a, it's a weekend you really want to make sure you get signed up for. Do you have anything else for us? Anything that you were told that, that I'm forgetting or no? <laughs> if I was told something, then it's gone. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's good to know. So, so glad you were here today. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to talk to our God as we leave. Well, God, we're about to walk out the doors, and, uh, and there's the storm again. There it is. I pray that you would help us to live differently as we walk from this place. Not, not just for our mental sanity, and we need that, but for the sake of others. We live for the sake of others. We exist. You, you revealed yourself to us so we could tell others of that revelation. What, what if the shepherds had heard from the angels, went to the barn, seen the baby, and went back to their sheep and said, wasn't that cool? No, the Bible says <laughs> they told everyone. They, they could not stop telling the story. I pray that we would be known more for our love for Jesus than our political alignment. And I pray that we would be formed more by our realization that you are our king than our particular issue that we like to get hot about. Help us to live differently, to live peacefully, still souls in turbulent times. In Jesus' name, amen. You enjoy your week. We'll see you. Thanks for being here.